Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like, including awesome kids' names and taking all your clothes off at bars. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. Today on the podcast, I'm talking with Dan Abrams, the co-founder of Flylo Gear. Dan started Flylo with a group of friends back in 2004, and Flylo pretty quickly became a brand favorite among, for lack of a better term, free riders, i.e. anyone who wasn't wearing skin-tight spandex or super slim mountaineering gear. And since those early years, Flylo has experienced pretty consistent and very impressive growth. As you'll hear, Dan is an interesting guy, but he is also a regular guy and a true ski bum at heart. Dan and I talked about everything from whether and when a ski bum ought to have kids, how the outerwear industry is different now than it was back when Dan started Flylo, and Dan dropped some breaking news about a new technology that Flylo has been developing and will be rolling out soon. So yep, we talk about everything from naming kids to developing new technologies, and we even talk about the extremely significant moment when Dan took off all of his clothes in a bar. This one kind of has it all. Before we get started, I wanted to quickly remind you about our 1718 Blister Winter Buyer's Guide. We are offering a print edition and digital edition of the guide, and we are confident that this will once again be the most accurate and most useful buyer's guide out there. As in past years, we will be producing a limited number of print editions of the Buyer's Guide, so to ensure that you get yours, sign up to become a Blister member on the site today, and you will be guaranteed a copy. And by becoming a Blister member, you will also get access to all of our flash reviews and deep dive comparison articles on the site. And furthermore, you will get access to the great exclusive deals for Blister members, where acting on any one of those deals more than pays for the entire price of the Blister membership. For more details, just click Become a Blister Member on the navigation bar on the website, and you can sign up from there. And now, let's get to my conversation with Flylo's Dan Abrams. So you are, you're on a little vacation here? We are on the East Coast tour visiting my parents. Okay. So we came out here on Saturday and we brought Otis, who's one, to meet his grandfather for the first time. Oh, wow. And now we're down in Plymouth, Mass with my mother, who... Um, is a lot more, uh, you know, like capable of traveling. So she comes out to see us all the time. Okay, cool. Otis. Otis Abrams. Otis Abrams. That's a, that's a solid name. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It is, it is strong. It, it is, is strong. strong. That's like future presidential material. So you know, to... the original idea was to, was that he was going to be like, I, I, I honestly like, in like second grade, I started talking about a fictitious son of mine named Otis Abrams that I was going to feed raw meat and raw eggs to, and he was going to grow up huge and become a football player and just like pay my way and take care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a weird; it was just, it's just a weird thing. But the the joke like continued all the way on. And while I'm out here, like we were visiting with old friends from you know like from when I was growing up, guys that knew me when I was seven years old. And they knew exactly why my son is named Otis. And I mean, they were all going to call him Otis as his nickname anyway. And 
And as it happens, you know, Megan just she's into like these vintage kind of cool, simple things, simple names. And so Nora is our daughter and Otis became our son. And, you know, like I was I wasn't going to argue with it. Yeah, strong. It is strong. I like it a lot. For some reason, I like I don't have any kids and am not haven't wrapped my head around the idea of kids yet. But the my if Otis was your kid's name, mine is Oscar. I love yeah. the name Oscar, and I don't really know why. So, like, maybe Otis and Oscar someday. If I if I hurry up, <laughs> yeah, start hurrying up. Do you I have got, a girl? I do. Yeah, but and I'm, that makes it easier. It, it makes it, it easier. It makes it infinitely easier. <laughs> you're trying to get Oscar. <laughs> um, the the part I'm I'm really not quite sure is how like the the kids thing. The kids question is a big one. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a balance to life. Um, that, you know, like I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even have a girlfriend, um, Mm -hmm. until, until I was at a point in life where, where my idea of Flylo was more than just an idea uh, until it was like moving in the right direction. And like, and then finally, like, I just couldn't delay that long enough and, and had met Megan and things were going good with Megan. And then of course she asked, you know, like, how long are you going to bartend for? And I told her a year. And then two years later, she's like, so how long do you think you're going to bartend for? And at that point I knew, I was like, I don't know. Yeah. And you know, like, that's just, that's just the way it is. And then, you know, like, and then we got together and then life went on and, you know, like, and eventually, you know, in the end, when when the time's right, it does nothing but uh, you know, like but make your life richer, obviously, or else or else society wouldn't be where it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, wow. This is a we could do a whole other podcast on just this topic because I know. Like, when does a ski bomb have kids? When does a ski bomb get married? I also think there's a real question. You said like it's obvious that kids enrich your life. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not totally there. And so I think truly a fun podcast would be talking to different people who do have kids to help, you know, like me answer yeah. the question of, yeah, of can I do this? Yeah. Or like, do I want to? Or it's do like, I, want to? I like, yeah. I like my life. I mean, I, I work a lot, but I, I, I get to sort of do what I want when I want. And, um, I understand that kids can, can flip that equation a bit. Yeah, it can. And for me, it was, you know, like, you know, first it was that, you know, like, is my life, is is my company, you know, like, legit enough that I'm, you know, like, ready to even, like, have a steady girlfriend? Because yeah. before that, I was just a bartender, and it was not so steady. And then, you know, like, and then after that, it's like, okay, is this, is this, am I actually getting paid by the company? And, like, I started slowly checking off these boxes, and the company was doing well. And then, and then it came to the point where, you know, it was the right time in life. I was, you know, like I just, you know, I guess the, the hardest thing in life is knowing what you want. And once you know what you want, and for me it was, you know, like it was to have, a, you know, like to have a couple kids, to have love, to have the full package. Mm-hmm. And so to me, once, you know, like it's, you know, once you know what you want, you slowly are chiseling away at every little aspect of life until it falls, you know, it falls, the, the pieces fall in, in order. And I found the girl, I found the job, 
I found the town, you know, like, and yeah. I, and that way it's like, you know, yeah, I'm a dad of two and I have two kids under four and I skied 90 days last year. I skied more pow than yeah. the average bear. Yeah, yeah. I skied more pow than 99.9% of the <laughs> um, And that's just, that's just how we do. Yeah. And my wife skis better than all of us. <laughs> so... You are now going on year 12 or 13 at Flylo, uh, I believe. What is the sort of, is there the official Flylo founding date? Mm, founding date's pretty loose. It's like 2004. Um, but, you know, I've been working on Flylo. Well, first, you know, like Flylo is this, you know, like comes from, kind of a vision or a need of my group of friends from college. There were five of us, Ethan, Braden, Greg, Seth, and me. And, um, and so we, we started school in 97, we graduated in 2000 and, you know, like, and so the concepts of fly low were kind of being kicked around that whole time while I was in college. And then we all moved to Jackson together uh, for that, that 2000, 2001 season, which was horrible in Jackson, but I still skied 120 days. And then I blew my knee out before I was supposed to become a heli guide apprentice for, for, um, the late Theo miners and rendezvous heli ski operation. Greg was supposed to be my, uh, my partner. He was supposed to drive up there with me. And two weeks before I was going to go up there, I blew my knee out. I uh, blew my meniscus out coaching uh, for Jackson Hole Mountain Resort. And then I looked at my friends and I was like, you know, I know, you know, I had this great history and I have amazing friends and they're still great friends. But I knew that, you know, no one was going to really nurse me back to health um, and I wasn't going to be able to work. So I pulled up my stakes after nine months in Jackson. I only lasted for nine months and, uh, and I moved back to Denver and my mother took care of me and that's kind of um how i started to move in the direction of of finding a way to make this product or you know like moving in that direction because had i not blown my knee out i would have most most likely become a heli ski guide which is a hell of a life too yeah yeah you know, when it started it was you know like i started it with money that i made bartending and you know, and 20 grand from my father. And my father said to me, um, he said, here's a lesson in squandering $20,000, uh, which, which was amazing. Yeah. And I'm so proud that I, you know, like that I paid him back with interest and everything and all that good stuff and things, things have turned around. But the real, the real money came from credit cards. It was a different day and age. And, you know, like, and I was, I was reaching out to Chase Bank and to, you know, like different banks and getting convenience checks. And unlike today where there's a 4% upfront origination fee on a convenience check in 2004, 2005, there was a max of $175 on the transaction fee. So I could get a $30,000, 0% APR loan for nine months and it cost me 175 bucks. <laughs> and that's amazing. Yeah. And then I even had one that was a 2.9% loan for the life of the loan that my CFO wouldn't let us pay off until, you know, we finally defaulted on it 10 years later. We defaulted <laughs> and like they started charging us in, in more interest. Um, but that was the, that was the time. 
And then, um, and then as it happened, I lost my, I lost my job at a bar and had to move down the street to another bar, which meant that I, um, you know, like I had to start at the bottom and I needed money and it was right when things were starting to pick up and Greg was going to come down to help out. Uh, and I was, and Greg in the meantime had like evolved into this bar manager, bartender at the Snake River Grill in Jackson who was making a bunch of cash. So Greg bought 30% of Flylo gear for $10,000. Wow. But <laughs> he then worked like me yep. for six years, six to eight years without getting paid a fucking dime. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, like that's a long time. That's yep. a lot. Of, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of blood, sweat and tears. And, you know, like, and so that's how it was. We were 70, 30. And then we brought on a third business partner, Scott, our CFO, and he put money in and worked for two years, uh, with a vested interest program. So he spent, you know, this is, a, this guy was like, maybe like 42 had come out, you know, was a successful CPA that was involved in Denver real estate and the real estate market crash. And he came into my house looking for an exchange of pants, um, for his Christmas present for a different size. And he was just like, do you guys need help on, you know, like with books? And I was like, yes, sir. I had just gotten, you know, like just started the process of trying to get a bank loan and learned the daunting task that it was. And so Scott came in, and he put 40 grand in, worked for two years, and earned himself at that point in time 15%. At what point or at what year did it feel like you were finally past that startup phase? Or does it still feel like you're in a startup phase? Um, to me, uh, I mean, I still kind of feel like we're in a startup phase just because, you know, like we're. You know, we're a company that exhibits fast growth or, you know, like pretty rapid growth at 25, 30%. But to me, the defining moment was August 27, 2010. And that was my last shift at the Washington Park Grill in Denver bartending. Um, and I took my clothes off in the corner of the bar, threw them in the garbage can, got a pie in the face, and, uh, and started my life. I got paid by Flylo on September 1st, 2010. Wow, that's a hell of a moment. Did tell me you weren't like actually buck naked though? No, I was in my boxers. Okay, that's we I was kept in my it, boxers. We kept it PG. But yeah, yeah, we kept it PG. I'm not, I'm not a loose character. So, how similar or different are things now in the outerwear industry or with today's consumer than they were back in 2004, 2005, 2006? I think that the the biggest difference now is that is that back then um, mountaineering companies made the best gear, you know, like hands down. And sometimes they would market the existing mountaineering gear to skiers, but they didn't actually make gear for skiers. And now, you know, and and that's kind of where we came into it. We were like, well, ski gear is all low tech. You know, like technically ski gear is, is to be worn over your GS suit or your, you know, your race stuff between, you know, between your, your runs. Snowboard gear was really loose um, and was cool, but, you know, like, but loose. So that wasn't functional. So then there was mountaineering gear and the mountaineering gear was, you know, back then was the only three layer gear at the time. 
And so the idea that we had was let's make stuff that looks as cool as snowboard gear is, you know, like fits over your boots and fits like ski gear, but let's make it at mountaineering factories so that it's really nice and let's use three layer materials. And that concept of making gear specifically high end gear specifically for course gears that were going out and what we call powder hunting. Um, we were the first ones to really focus our design on that. And nowadays all of the, all of our favorite brands, the Arcteryx, the Patagonia, the North Face, they have dedicated three layer high end ski apparel lines that are using their mountaineering heritage. Um, it was, but, but our concept, so it, it kind of proves our concept, but initially in 2004, that wasn't there. Yeah, man, that is wild to remember that fact. Yeah. And well, I mean, I just remember, you know, we were dirt bags in college and I showed up with these hardcore or hard corpse. I never knew how to say it. Um, you know, like race pants and they were getting all wetted out at crystal mountain in Washington. And so then I switch over to these Patagonia pants cause my ski coach and some of the other guys were, you know, like we're all pumped on this Patagonia company and, but I was a dirt bag, right? So once I heard that they had this amazing warranty and I started to get like these wear spots in my, in my gear, I started to send them back and warranty them. And what I got back was the new greatest mountaineering pants and they were lighter and they were tighter every year because that's the idea for mountaineering, right? Mm-hmm. You want light and you want to be efficient so that you can climb a mountain, get off that mountain alive. Mm-hmm. That's the, you know, like that's your goal. The problem was that every year they got tighter and less durable as well. So I eventually remember stretching the cuffs of the pants over my legs. And then immediately you're just, anytime your ski edge hit that because it was taut fabric, you're just cutting it. And yep. then, you know, like those pants, they, they eventually stopped even coming with powder gaiters. So I had to cut a pair of spider powder gaiters out and duct tape them into the inside of these three layer Patagonia pants to get the closest thing to my, you know, like to what is a fly low pant now. And it worked and it was great. And I warrantied them again. And now, you know, I still have a, these, these pair, my last pair of Patagonia stretch trolley pants um, in my closet that, you know, like, I don't know why I hang on to them. Uh, maybe, maybe uh, you know, my brother comes to visit and, like, I don't want to give him a junk sample or I don't want to give him a new sample. God forbid he's got burrito <laughs> grease on it. So, here, take my old Patagonia pants. But I swear to you, Shenard, I will not warranty them. They were great pants. <laughs> That's very sweet of you. I, I'm, I'm sure Shenard uh, is uh, very appreciative of that. I don't think he knows who I am, but it's okay. <laughs> so... How similar or different are your biggest challenges these days versus the challenges you faced back in the early days of Flylo? I mean, I think the they're pretty similar because the biggest thing when you know you're a small company or an entrepreneur is um, is money. I, I don't have like a lack of passion and I don't have a lack of ideas. Yeah. Um, and I've, if anything, I've made more friends over the years because, you know, like you get older and unless you're, you know, a real prick, you, you tend to make more friends over, over time. 
Um, but there is these limited, there's like, it's the limitations of the crystal ball really that, you know, like every year I think of it, like I've always said this, that I think of it, like I'm stepping on a diving board and I have to decide whether I'm going to jump in for the following year. So every February I'm sitting on tons of cash in the bank account. There's no debt. You could just walk away and you could split the cash and, you know, like, and you could go on and do something else. Um, but what's better than what we're doing right now? You know, like we're having so much fun. We're controlling our own ship. Um, but the crystal ball is, is, is the problem. And when I say that, what I'm talking about is that I don't know how many, how many units the stores are going to want. I don't know how much the pros are going to want. I don't know how much direct sales we're going to do for the following year, but I have to place the orders for that inventory in December, the prior year, or, and then maybe if we're hitting, you know, minimum order quantities, we can do a reorder, um, for certain, for certain products. And, you know, that way we can get that special mix. And even then you don't know if it's, if it's going to snow in Denver in October, yeah. Because for a brand like us that has, you know, is such a Rocky Mountain, you know, like that's our number one region in the world, you know, and when it snows in Denver in the fall, it just, that's the beginning of the buying season uh, for all of our dealers. And if it doesn't snow until Christmas, you know, you can, you know, there's just so many different variables that happen. So, um, so I don't, I don't think too many things have changed. It's just on a much larger scale. As I've been trying to think about Flylo and its place relative to a number of other um, soft good brands out there, I, rightly or wrongly, I've been trying to think about it in terms of sort of the beer industry, where you know at the top you have a handful of huge macro breweries, right? And increasingly in the beer world, you then have I think I read a number that there was something like 5,500 craft <laughs> breweries in the U.S., just in the U.S. right now. And so then you guys aren't the smallest brand out there. You guys aren't the biggest brand out there. You're somewhere in the middle. Um, and I, I guess I'm curious how what the challenges, what those challenges look like to you in that space then. You've got small, hungry, new companies maybe biting at the heels, and then you've got some of the huge players above you. I don't know. what what You're the one who has to deal with that reality. Talk about that reality. Well, I mean, I think that there's there's big discrepancies now. You know, like in the, in the beer world, when I think of it, yeah, there are these huge behemoths um, and you know, the difference is that they can't make good stuff or they just don't, they don't make something that competes with a real, you know, now I'm in new England for the week, real new England heady topper. Um, and then there's these like kind of, you know, like micro brews that used to be micro brews like new Belgium, um, or Odell's brewing companies in, in Colorado and those guys are cranking it out. They've like they've hit their stride. Maybe even put Sam Adams in there. Um, so that's where they are. And then there's these really small companies in in our industry. 
the difference is that the Bohemists, the North Face, the Arcterics, and the Patagonia, they make some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. They make some stuff that I, you could argue is even craft stuff that doesn't you know it doesn't even need to make money because they make so much money doing running stuff or doing lifestyle apparel that their outerwear is just you know like they're just making the coolest stuff they can with the best stitching and innovating with technology so that they can have something to talk about it's not even about what they sell so the difference for us and and so when i think about it we i try to isolate um look for instance patagonia i would say that that we are trying to go head to head with patagonia snow sports because if you go head to head with patagonia as a whole company you know like we don't even make the stuff that they make and when we you know if we try to do a lifestyle jacket we're not you know we're never going to get anywhere we just need to focus on on what we do and what we do well so then when you focus it there i think you see that it's it comes down to preference really and you know maybe the idea that that we don't have to answer to you know like to people above us because greg and i you know like we're the ones that are making the final decision when it comes to product and we take a lot of um, we take a lot of feedback, obviously, from athletes and from retailers, from our reps. Um, and because it's such a concise thing, we get to make something that it seems to be resonating uh, not only with the you know with the consumers, but it's really it's resonating with these retailers because all of our stores they are they are ordering more stuff to go on their floor, and that's kind of that's kind of been our goal. It's like. We don't need more stores. We need the stores that we have to represent the brand um, so that we can tell that Flylo story in the store uh, with more colors, more options, more variety for people so they can see that, wow, you know, like Flylo does make a mid-layer. You know, I should try a Flylo mid-layer because I trust their shell. And, yeah, not to go on a tangent. Um, So there definitely are some similarities with with the beer world. Um, but it's, it's still our own little technical outerwear genre. So let's talk about trends in outerwear and apparel. Um, what are some of the trends you're seeing that you like? And what are some of the trends you're seeing that you maybe don't like? Um, I think the biggest trend is a move towards matte finish stretchy and breathable fabrics um in the end the number one input that goes into all of our gear is the fabric and that's why you know for Flylo, it's it's greg steam my business partner um who is laboriously searching for different fabrics new fabrics but maybe in the you know like really upper echelon of you know like high high fashion outerwear um shiny stuff seems to still work and definitely in the mountaineering world you know lightweight still works so sometimes you have to sacrifice you know the finish on the fabric uh for you know like for weight but ideally what i've seen trending over the last couple years are innovations where you know the market wants a matte finished fabric so not shiny they want to stretch and they want the option of having you know, of having increased breathability 
And I think that that plays a lot into not having to remove layers and put layers on it. it you know, just having a, uh, a higher tech garment that can adjust to your body temperature. Mm-hmm. Yep. Trends you don't like? Trends I don't like. Hmm. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I guess, I, you know, I wasn't super into the, uh, the lengthening of center front zippers on jackets. Um, you know, like there was a, there was a trend for a while of just making everything really long and, um, and slim and granted since I moved to, you know, like to Tahoe city, California, I've lost like 20 pounds as my normal, my normal weight so I can wear some of that stuff. But the, uh, you know, like there was a real trend where like jackets were getting like three or four inches longer in the front, um, or just overall. And it was, it was a bit much. So I, you know, like I'm happy that the trend is that it's, it's the jackets are getting a little shorter now. Um, and my business partner will be rolling his eyes when he hears that, or at least chuckling. (laughs) Um, what, what is some of the new tech, new tech that you're excited about, and maybe already using it, Flylo, or that you are intrigued to start checking out further and maybe using in the future? Uh, I'm interested in seeing how these new chopped up synthetic uh, insulators work. Um, so there's there was like the thermoball uh, stuff that came out, and now I you know like I hear rumors of companies developing a synthetic down. So which is what Primaloft is, but, but really taking it one step further and having, you know, like synthetic, you know, like feathers and down quills that are, you know, like that are floating around in your garment. So you get that down feel because, you know, down is so warm, but you know, like when it gets wet, it doesn't really, it doesn't do the trick. So, you know, I always recommend that you need to have a down insulator and a synthetic insulator in your quiver when you go on that trip to Verbier because you don't know what you're going to get. Um, so I think that'll be interesting to see as it goes on. Um, I know Polar Tech is coming out with a new uh, technology called PowerFill that's using more post-consumer waste um, in their insulation, which I think is great as long as that we don't sacrifice any performance because – you know, when you're cold and on the backside of a mountain and something goes wrong and things go wrong sometimes, you know, like I need my gear to function before I need to feel, you know, like, you know, like the ethics of it. Um, you can't sacrifice anything. And that's, so that's on the insulation front. I think on the, on the shell front, what we've been, you know, and something that Flylo has been pioneering, uh, or really trying to fight the fight is this idea of air permeable, waterproof breathables. Yep. And it's, you know, like the, the technology of waterproof breathable has been defined by Gore-Tex and they, and they crush it. Um, they have a moisture vapor permeable membrane, which we use, you know, like we use on a lot of our stuff, not Gore-Tex, but we use that style of membrane on stuff and it's arguably warmer and it is good for, you know, like for certain applications, but taking it back to the, the roots of Flylo, like our goal was to, was to make gear that could handle climbing a mountain with skis on our back so we can ski down. Yep. And one of our big things that we came out with was, was having inner and outer thigh vents so that you had 
what we call cross flow venting so that you can actually moderate your temperature because when you get to the top and you're carrying this extra gear, you're sweating and then you're going to ski down. You're not going to walk down. And when you walk down, your body temperature changes slower than when you buckle up and when you start going 60 miles an hour, okay, maybe 30 miles an hour down a mountain. And, and these air permeable waterproof membranes are really helping us to do that for, uh, for guys and girls that are, that are getting after it and aren't afraid of putting in a boot pack. And so there's, there's the original, which is event, uh, which is, we work with event fabric now and they actually got sold to a smaller company. That's still a huge company, but at least they were given the control to actually innovate. So in the last couple of years, They've actually come out with new event membranes that are boasting like huge waterproof column ratings, 30K waterproof column ratings, still air permeable. Uh, the drawback there is that there's no stretch. So I think in a, in a killer touring piece, it's really nice to have stretch. And that's going back to our trends, you know, like that's a huge thing in our trends. So then we've been working with Polar Tech Neo Shell for a few years. And there you, you, are at a 10k waterproof, uh, but you get increased breathability. And now, now that these air permeables have been around and trending for a couple years, uh, we're starting to get our factories to to you know like to innovate themselves. And so we're working with our with our factory um, and to come out with our own proprietary air permeable membrane for 2018 that we're going to call the Perm. Or it was going to be big perm, but we don't know. So it's going to be intuitive perm fabric. And that's where we're going to get a balance of 20K waterproof, still air perm, and stretchy. Um, and it'll be the first of its kind. And I think that, you know, like we're pretty proud and wow. happy that we have the connections and the ability to innovate like that. Wow. Um, wow. <clears throat> that's very You heard it here first. Yeah, we did. Um <laughs> Last question. Um, name your personal favorite piece in the Flylo collection for this coming season. Oof. Your personal. Um, my personal piece. My personal piece. You know what? I just, I just live in the handlebar flannel. It's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent polyester flannel, but it's brushed. It feels like it's cotton. It quick. It's quick dry. It looks good. And the best part is that I can throw it in the dryer and it doesn't wrinkle. Nice. And I think that you know a lot of what we do is you know like is this idea of of um, owning your time. And being able to own your time sometimes involves not wasting time. Yeah. So if I can have a flannel that looks good enough for to go to a meeting or you know like or to just to look good at opera and and it goes skiing with me, I mean that is pretty crucial. So that's your that's my handlebar. I'll wear it every day of the season this year. That's the answer, the handlebar. Well, cool. Um, <clears throat> listen, we uh, we should do this again sometime. There is a ton of other stuff to talk about, um, and. Uh, so let's uh, let's do that. We'll get you back on it at some point, um, but uh, call it a day for now with this. And um, yeah, this has been good to talk. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm a huge fan of Blister. Whenever I uh, 
whenever I'm about to buy a pair of skis, there's only one place you can get 2,000 words written about about how the ski skis and who the skier is. So you guys need to keep doing what you're doing because uh, we need it in the ski community. Hmm. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, hey, we'll talk to you again soon. Take it easy. Okay, you too. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Dan Abrams for the conversation, and we will definitely get Dan back on the podcast soon since there is still a ton of stuff to talk about. Personally, I want to hear more anecdotes from the early bartending days. And thanks, as always, to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob. Until next time, don't forget to become a Blister member to ensure that you'll get your copy of our 1718 Winter Buyer's Guide, plus get access to all of the flash reviews and deep dive comparison articles we publish on Blister, and you'll also get access to all of those exclusive deals that we set up for Blister members. That's it for now. Talk to you next week.